Happiness is an inside job. At Happy Healthy You, Connie Bowman helps us find our way with inspiring conversations and healthy ideas for living a whole life in mind, body, and spirit. Happy Healthy You, and now here's Connie. Everybody, welcome to Happy Healthy You, the podcast. Hopefully, your favorite podcast. There's so many good podcasts out there now. It's okay if I'm not your favorite, but I hope I'm on, in the top ten at least. I'm Connie Bowman, your host, and we've been talking together for like the last five, five maybe six years about finding balance in mind, body, and spirit. And I think it's a really important subject more than ever possibly and i say that because we are going to be talking about the lives of our children and i really do feel like the health of our children lies in the balance you can take that either way <laughs> as humans we can disagree on almost everything right but one thing we mostly have in common is that we want our kids to have a better life than we had and for the first time in history, this next generation is actually expected to live shorter lives than their parents. Isn't that crazy? We're facing an obesity epidemic, and um, it's not just impacting our children, but 40% of cancers diagnosed are associated with obesity. Um, diabetes is, they say, the twin of obesity. And the risk of cardiovascular disease, our number one killer, increases by up to 85% if we're overweight. And then the list of devastating diseases just continues to get longer and longer. Since the 70s, the percentage of children and adolescents affected by obesity has more than tripled. Today, we're seeing kids with cancer, teenagers that have to inject insulin, skyrocketing depression and suicide rates. We've addressed that on this podcast in young adults. But how can we expect our children to do any better if we as adults can't even get this under some kind of control? So I just want to tell you about uh, something that Chef AJ, who was on our last podcast, is putting together for all of us. Um, she has created a summit called The Real Truth About Weight Loss. And she brings together 32, I think maybe she's she's got even more now, of the world's most renowned experts um, to answer all the hard questions um, and try to provide some solutions to this obesity problem. Some of the people that she will have on the summit will be Dean Ornish, Caldwell Esselstein, Dr. John McDougall, Michael Greger, who's been on this podcast. He's so funny. Dr. Neil Barnard and Joel Foreman, Brenda Davis, Rich Roll, Doug Lyle, uh, and more. So uh, you want to get uh, signed up for this podcast on March 16th. And I, I'm pretty sure you can watch it online from anywhere in the world. And I will put a link with this podcast as well as with the one from um, the last podcast that we did when we spoke with Chef AJ about this. But I just think this is a real um, something we can do to spread the message. And it's free and it's for all of us so that we can be better role models for our children and help them hopefully overcome this uh, these dire straits that we've gotten them in. And today is another uh, guest. We have another guest, Dr. Allison Mitzner, and she's here to also help us tackle this subject and just the, the subject of children's health in general. 
Um, Allison is a board certified pediatrician, and she's also a family wellness expert, fitness and lifestyle enthusiast, who uh, Dr. Oz has said has a real calming influence. So if Dr. Oz says that, (laughs) you know it's true. And she helps parents feel more confident about their abilities to care for their families. She's contributed and been featured in so many periodicals, The Huffington Post, Fit Pregnancy, Elite Daily, Reader's Digest, Parents, Self, Cafe Mom, Big City Moms, you name it, Parenting, Mommy Bites, and more. She also has an interest in fitness and creating healthier lifestyles, safer environments for pregnant pregnant women, new moms and children, including alternative approaches to their health and wellness. So she's going to be a fantastic guest. Thank you for coming, Allison. I'm so happy to have you on Happy Healthy You. You're perfect. (laughs) Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So um, this obesity epidemic, let's just start there. A recent statistic that I had read is 60% of two-year-olds will actually be obese by the time they're 35. So that's pretty... 62% 62% of two-year-olds will be... 60% of 60, two-year-olds oh my by gosh. 35. That's a recent statistic. I just read one of my journals a few weeks ago. That's crazy. Um, so it definitely is increasing, like you mentioned earlier um, in the podcast. I think this is for a variety of reasons. We have genetics, but again, a lot of kids are not as physically active. There's a lot of unhealthy eating. It could be a combination of both. Um so there are things um, that may be causing it, but there is a lot that we can do to help prevent it. And the earlier we do help children, um, the better. Yeah. Because it, once it, they get older and older, even we see at five, six, seven year olds, the harder it is to change those habits. So. Yeah, we don't get these owner's manuals when we have these babies and they're put into our arms. And now, you know, I don't think when I was raising my children 20 some years ago, I even considered the idea that they would one day be obese. But I think it's more and more a reality for parents for whatever reasons, for the many reasons, I think. So mm-hmm. um, is this something that we can start as early as pregnancy helping? I know your one of your passions is helping uh, pregnant women be very fit. <laughs> mm-hmm. So Yes. I mean, early on, I think the sooner the better. Um, we are our kids' role models whether for good eating habits, exercise, sleep. So if you, right, if you start early in pregnancy, as far as exercise, you will likely bounce back earlier. You'll keep those dietary habits, those good habits, and continue them on, and you'll be a great role model for your children. Um, working out, whether it's fitness, working out, your diet habits, you teach your kids early on what they like, you can actually help them learn different foods that they would like rather than the sugars um, and the sweets um, based on what they're eating. So the earlier, the better. Okay. What is the best scenario for a pregnant, like a pregnant mom, like wanting to get pregnant or families um, getting ready to um, embark on their first baby? I know I'm hoping my uh, daughter and her husband eventually soon decide to have a child. What is the best scenario for for creating a life that is um, as healthy as possible? I know (laughs) we're... I know. I'm just. I'm just thinking back to when I got pregnant. I. I didn't think a whole lot out of it. I, about it. I just. Um, I knew I had to take my uh, prenatal vitamins and you know 
go to my doctor's appointments. But um, prior to that, I don't think I really thought about it. I think I was a little uh, unconscious about. And again, that's something too, you wouldn't know until you had your first pregnancy and your obstetrician will be there to guide you. I think one thing, and you mentioned, I think the benefits of exercise during pregnancy are huge because there are so many benefits and really not only for the mom, but for the baby. And there's been studies to show that a mom that exercises during pregnancy can actually increase your child's athletic ability. So there's mm. there's so many benefits. And for the mom, or um, it helps sleep, which we know I, we can talk about later, helps in so many ways. It reduces stress. It helps with those common complaints. And it really builds your stamina for labor, delivery, and like I mentioned, to bounce back sooner mm. um, postpartum. I swam a lot during my pregnancy. I found that the um, the water, I just felt so buoyant, especially as I got into later pregnancy. Um, swimming was just really good for me. But I, when it's cold in the winter, it's really hard to get into the water. So I know, yeah. unless you have an indoor yeah. um, pool. But that's actually one of the best you can do. The low impact exercises are the best. So elliptical, biking, swimming. Um, they really are much easier on your joints when you're pregnant. Pilates and yoga really um, has gotten much more popular, and that's that's great for stamina and even relaxation. Yeah, yeah, Pilates and yoga. I also teach yoga now. I wish I had done it when I was pregnant. What did you do when you were pregnant mm-hmm. to uh, stay fit? I kept as much as I could my current routine, but I did um, – some jogging, and then I, towards the later months, stuck to the elliptical. Mm, yeah, the elliptical's good. Yeah. I, always, I forget about my, those machines. Yeah. Yeah, I fun. liked it. My second pregnancy, too, I had a broken foot. Oh, no. Um, just from doing nothing, I guess. We don't know how, just walking in the street, I fractured it, stepping on something. But So with a boot, I wasn't allowed much more, but I did want to do something. So I stuck to the elliptical and... Um, and weights too. Actually, lifting weights is is safe during pregnancy, and actually a great thing to weight train. Mm. Lower weights or your own body weight, but it really helps your strength and tone. So I, I did some weights as well. Yeah, and then um, once once that beautiful bundle of joy is here, actually breastfeeding is it still in vogue as much as it was when I was uh, breastfeeding back in the nineties? It is recommended for moms to breastfeed in the first six months or even a year, up until a year. Um, I would tell parents not everyone wants to try it, and it's a personal choice, of course. Um, Some moms want to try it, and it just doesn't work out, so they shouldn't be um, feeling bad about themselves or as a failure if they don't breastfeed. But, yeah, it is recommended, and there are so many benefits. Right. We can talk about about breastfeeding. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's so many benefits. And one of them is that it helps you uh, burn more calories and take the weight off and and get, you know, back to your pre-baby shape a little bit easier. Yeah. I mean, it does. That I I often talk about. Sometimes you're hungrier because you're burning so many extra calories um, while you're nursing and breastfeeding. So I actually... I think gained weight while I was breastfeeding, but it does really increase your metabolism. Yeah. Um, but you feel but justified in needing those extra calories. Yes. 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 Yeah. Um, but there are so many benefits. It has nutrients your baby would need in the first few months, the antibodies that you have to help the baby. Um, it's been shown to 
help have less ear infections, respiratory infections. And it's a great bonding experience for mm. the mom and the baby. I loved it. Um, I loved it. Mm. Yeah, I loved it too. But again, not all moms want to, or and they should know that it's really, it's a personal choice. Right. And I, are... I know I had, uh, you know, not everybody takes to it easily. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, sometimes there are infections or, um, you know, it, it, it's painful in the beginning. I, I don't think anybody ever told me that how painful it could be, and um, for the first few days until you kind of toughen up and get ready, get get you know everything kind of uh, broken in, shall we say? Right, <laughs> but, right. Yeah. And lactation specialists are great, or as, as yeah. some pediatricians have in on their office, um, because it is it takes time to find what works for you and the best way to nurse. So it's important not to get discouraged in the beginning Yeah, um, until yeah. you get that routine down. Yeah. Stick with it as long as you can. And if it doesn't work out for you, no biggie, just, you know, mm-hmm. move on, do the best you can as with everything, do the best you can. So, um, if you were to write an owner's manual for parents, what would you have to say about, um, like the most important things for creating this, um, sustainable, healthy, happy lifestyle for uh, this new family. Um, obviously, uh, seeing your your pediatrician regularly on the regular visits is kind of a no-brainer. But um, aside from that, what are some of the other things we might not think about or that we might think about that we need to have our on our in our owner's manual? I think, like I mentioned earlier, we really are our kids' biggest role model. So good what we think of for ourselves to be healthy, good nutrition and diet, exercise and sleep. I think those things, our children watch us and all that we do and can really make um, for healthy families, really. So we talked about fitness a bit and your kids will be more fit, diet and sleep. Um, There's so many benefits of sleep and promoting even healthy weights. Um, and promoting better learning and helping your body's immunity. So all those things, and as a family, really are so important. I know sleep can be a real issue for um, some families. Just certain kids have a a different level of energy and just don't seem to fall asleep as easily. Um, Do you have any suggestions for, um, you know, scheduling sleep or um, getting them to sleep or or encouraging good sleep habits for them when they're young? When they're young. So it changes a lot um, within the ages, the different age regions, starting with the newborn and then toddlers one to two of how many hours of sleep they need, including naps. And then once the naps, um, they no longer need naps, and they're in preschool elementary, those hours of sleep um, change as well. But for the most part, you really want to make sure that your child's getting enough sleep because if they don't, they may get sick more often. They may not learn as well. Their stress levels can increase. Some kids you'll see get cranky, moody, irritable. Other ones, like you mentioned, they were hyper, they may be hyperactive and seem really awake, but yet they're actually overtired. Um, so I think the important thing is really having that calming bedtime routine and sticking to it and making sure that the bedtime that works for you, um, stick with that to make sure that they're getting enough sleep. Mm. Um, for me, I 
I know initially people were like, your kids go to bed so late. I like that time after work to see my kids. They're young. Um, and right now they're just five and seven. But a few years ago, if they went to bed at eight, I didn't mind that they slept a little later. I didn't need them getting up so early. So for me, it worked. But overall, as long as they're getting enough hours of sleep for their age, and your pediatrician can walk you through that. I have um, some information on that on my website as well. Um, that's what's important. Yeah. The other thing too, you wouldn't want to overstimulate them. So with all screen time and phones and TVs, really limiting the screen time an hour before bed so they're calm and not overstimulated really helps. Mm. Adults should be doing that too. Sure, um, right. But for kids, for sure. Turn off those those uh, devices well before we yeah. get into bed. Well, I just wrote yeah. a children's book. I, I don't know if I mentioned this to you, Allison, but I have a new children's book. It's called There's an Elephant in My Bathtub, and it's actually designed to be a bedtime story has a little bit of uh, an arc where there is a little bit of excitement, but it's not that much that it would keep them up at night. <laughs> so it actually ends with a cute little boy snuggling down into his bed with all his stuffed animals. So it's a really good one for bedtime routine. Do you have any other suggestions? I know. I, uh, I love it for that. But what other suggestions yeah, for the routine? Uh, for the routine, I mean, a consistent bath time. A lot of parents do bath time, book time and then bedtime and then a lot of times your child might find a book that they love they might want to read each night or it can change as far as the books but I think the consistency of knowing it's bath time they're settling down they have their books and then bedtime sometimes in the it's not a problem now in the winter but the summer if you keep that same bedtime it's light out so a lot of times blackout shades if you can mm. um, somehow get them in your apartment or your home um, can help them keep their typical bedtime because they'll see that it's still dark because sometimes the light can keep them awake. Yeah, I always wonder um, how those parents in like Alaska, we went to Alaska a couple of years ago and it was 10 o'clock at night and still light out. I always wonder how they ever get their kids to sleep during the summer months. Yeah. It's crazy, right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't understand it either unless they have, they have to have blackout shades. Yeah, yeah, I would um, imagine they would. Some children like music. Um, others, it keeps them up. That relaxing music sometimes helps calm before bedtime as well but again I think often if your child is overtired some parents might not see that as a cue as actually they're overtired but they think they're just wide awake um, so it's important to see how much sleep they're getting and even just going to bed 15 minutes earlier can really help your child if you think they're not getting enough sleep mm. I and mean, it really can make a big difference and nowadays uh, I know my daughter <laughs> She doesn't have a child yet, but she has a um, a puppy, and they have apps now that are baby monitors. I'm sure you know about it, but I didn't. Mm -hmm. I was like, "Whoa, this is a whole new a whole new thing!" Like your baby, you can monitor your child from anywhere, and so yeah. you can have that camera on their crib so you can see if they're actually getting their sleep. That's pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like when my kids were coming up, everything was a phase. And just when you felt like you had mastered one phase, it was time to enter another. And something something else new was happening, which I, is kind of God's little joke, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we have well, to, it's true. Yeah. It's, all, it's all good. But right, even as sleep. Yeah. They have sleep. And then they might start having nightmares or night terrors. Or mm -hmm. then you're into toilet training and they might have... Uh, bedwetting like there's always yeah something but yeah so you learn um, as you go and the pediatrician is mm -hmm. always there to guide you yeah 
Yeah. You can always ask your pediatrician. I remember my daughter had night terrors. For anybody who doesn't have a kid with night terrors, they're terrifying. <laughs> they're aptly named, right? So they wake mm-hmm. up and their eyes can be wide open, but they're actually still asleep. I remember one day my daughter, one night, my daughter was um, just yelling, mommy, mommy. And I was like, I'm right here, <laughs> right here. And then she just fell back asleep. Have you ever run into so, that where parents, yeah, have kids with night terrors? Yeah. I mean, nightmares and are nightmares and night terrors and I guess briefly talk about the difference but nightmares are pretty common and usually around the preschool age they might start they have these great imaginations mm-hmm. um and they usually occur later in the night and that's when you know if you wake them they can really recognize you and they remember these the night terrors that you mentioned they're much less common um and they might only be a percentage of kids but they are earlier in the night and that's when they won't remember. And you don't want to wake them because um, you don't want them. They'll sit up, they'll cry, and it should end. But they'll go back to sleep sooner um, than with a nightmare. And then they won't even remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Often, actually, on the, on the sleep topic, sometimes if they're not get, your child's not getting enough sleep or a bit sleep deprived, sometimes mm-hmm. you'll see them a little more frequently. Yeah. Um, Shoot, I still have nightmares. <laughs> Do you, do you ever have a nightmare? I have nightmares every once in a while. Usually it's uh, it's those um, going to French class. For me, it was always French class, and I wasn't prepared for the test. So. <laughs> oh, that's so funny. You know, I don't I, – I remember when I was pregnant with both of my kids, I had nightmares. Like, or I don't even know if it was nightmares, but really vivid dreams. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't even remember what they were about, but I don't yeah. typically. So. Yeah. But they're normal. So, and I, I love yeah. that you say, I love that you said kids have these vivid imaginations because that's one thing I feel like is so important is raising your kids with this sense of wonder and imagination and ability to play. And I think we are losing some of that with this technologically driven age that we are in. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? That the um, value of imagination and imag- imaginative mm-hmm. play? Um, sure. I mean, as far as, nightmares and night terrors that could be again any stress or change and but just encouraging them to know to have good dreams and knowing that it's it's not real and they're safe and it's their you know their brain as far as um play it was that your question the important yeah i mean i kind of was looking for i was looking for a a natural segue maybe it wasn't so natural it's like (laughs) nightmares to play okay sorry that wasn't the best but yeah okay just take it and run with it okay sure (laughs) so as far as play right like we want our it's so important and unstructured play too we hear of you know so many kids are in structured activities which are great and also so important to have that instruction, whether it's sports or arts, um, but you want to have them have unstructured play and let them just be kids. So that's why we talk about sometimes playing outdoors is so great. One, back to the exercise and increasing the physical activity, um, which really helps in this world of media and technology, but also for um, just increasing their well being and their happiness and their social with other children. And it really improves their creativity. You, they just write, you let them go play and you can see all these things that they come up with, whether with friends or amongst themselves. So it really, um, really is so helpful. Any suggestions along that line? Again, maybe not so smooth a segue, but for setting limits on technology so we can 
um, encourage this imaginative play a little bit more? Setting limits. I, I, I think that that would be really hard. Like my kids didn't have cell phones in the beginning when nowadays kids start having cell phones and then iPads so much earlier than ever. And um, mm-hmm. yeah, so then their faces are always in their technology. How do we uh, set limits? I, I mean, you do want to limit the screen time, like I said before bed and how much throughout day schools are using, you know, the iPads for learning and apps as well, but you want to be sure that it just doesn't take the place of other activities. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they need that human interaction. And if your children really are just watching media or TV, other than being outdoors and having um, that playtime or that creative time, that's when you want to step, start limiting a bit um, and increase the children's playtime. And again, when they're older, it wouldn't be playtime but have them do hands-on exploring in real life social interactions. Yeah. And Um, then as they get older, they get involved with team sports and activities mm -hmm. that are, so you can distract them somewhat, I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's getting more and more complicated. (laughs) So how about fluoride? Are we still concerned about getting fluoride? I know I'm, I'm on a well here where I live and, um, we don't, uh, do fluoride supplements but what do you how do you feel about that for example in new york city it's depends on where you live right if there's fluoride in the water then you if your child's drinking water then there's no reason to supplement with fluoride i'm not sure you'd have to check with your where you live and your Mm -hmm. pediatrician would know that if you um, have it naturally in your water sources then you have the fluoride that you need Okay. Um, to prevent any early stages of tooth decay. And then, a pediatric dentist would have that information for you as well. Sure, sure, yeah. And then uh, vitamins and probiotics, any thoughts on that? Or um, should we get it all from our diets? Or So ideally, you would want to eat fruits and vegetables and get your nutrients from food. Your pediatrician sees you or your child a lot in the first few years of life and will ask you about the diet and see if any vitamins would be of value to add to your child's diet um, and going forward. But you wouldn't typically need to be on a multivitamin. It it would need to, um, you need to discuss that with your pediatrician. Sure. And there's a lot. I mean, the pediatrician is there. Like our accountant is there. Our pediatrician is there to be our personal consultant. So we don't have to feel... Um, I should say parents don't have to feel um, like they're alone, right? Um, one of the things that, right. that young parents will confront early on is the uh, notion of vaccines. And there has been through the years many different um, you know, ideas about when to vaccinate. But I, I've read recently that there's an up, upsurge in measles because people are not getting the measles vaccine. And um, what do you have to say about vaccines in general and maybe the measles vaccine as well? I mean, for vaccines, the Academy of Pediatrics has a recommendation um, for vaccines and the vaccine schedule and what you should be getting at each visit. And pediatricians um, go by the Academy of Pediatrics recommendations. So, we go by the academy pediatricians will go by the academy recommended recommendations and that schedule they protect our children from infections we know this based on studies 
scientific evidence. Um, and as far as measles, mumps, rubella, that is one vaccine um, that's given starting at a year. The measles, it's true, one of the causes for an outbreak would be for those that are not immunized and then that pocket of people that they're exposed to, right, that further can spread the measles to those that are unvaccinated. Um, sometimes people travel and bring them measles from abroad back to the U.S. and then further spread the measles to those unvaccinated people. I mean, at one point, measles was eradicated back, um, a couple, I think it was early 2000, around 2000. Um, but since that's correct, there has been um, measles mm. outbreaks. Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. Um, can I ask you a question, Allison, just personally or professionally, how do you feel about all these antibacterial soaps? I mean, I feel like we use them so much now. Are we losing? And the same goes with antibiotics. I mean, are, do we lose our um, ability to fight off uh, germs if we're constantly using these soaps? Do you have any thoughts on that? Just curious about that. I think one of the best ways to prevent infection, even during this flu season, is hand washing. I mean, by far, you'll hear it all the time, sure. hand washing, whether you're at the gym, whether your kids are out, I mean, the best way to prevent infection. So you'll hear that all the time. And if you don't have access to soap and water, antibacterial wipes or sanitizer is the next best thing. So I think, yeah. So as far as antibiotics, we do, you do want to have antibiotics when you need them. They're great value, but not overuse them. So often a child might have a virus, which the antibiotic antibiotic won't treat. And even though some parents just want the antibiotic, they think the kid will get better. That's not the way to go. And actually the recommendation for ear infections now by the Academy of Pediatrics for older kids that can actually tell you if their ear is getting better and not as painful as initially it was is to wait um, 48 hours to see if it's getting better without antibiotics. We don't want to overuse antibiotics because yeah. in that case can build up resistance. Yeah. And we might think that everybody knows that, but I guarantee there, there are new parents out there that can benefit from that information, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, can we Sometimes, talk a little bit? Most about, of the time, you have to yeah, just wait time. it out. But right. yeah, yeah, viruses, the antibiotics won't do anything. I for know. It. We hate to watch our kids suffer, and we just want it to get better. We want to kiss their boo boos and make it better right away. But in a lot of cases, that's um, with the ear infections and and viruses. It's really not mm -hmm. the best best way. Right, right. Antibiotics for younger kids, we would treat, and many are bacterial, which we would treat with antibiotics. So it really depends on the infection. But depending on what they have, just antibiotics may not yeah. be of value or do anything. So we don't want to overuse them. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just want to talk about, I want to get back to fitness and, and, and nutrition a little bit toward the end because that is one of your um, fortes. Mm -hmm. But I, I just want to talk a little bit, touch on accidents, um, like wearing bike helmets and just kind of the simple things that we could we could add to our owner's manual, not that you can own kids, that sounds terrible, that we could add to our list of um, 
things to remember. So um, bike helmets, you know, safety around pools as the weather gets warmer. Any? Yeah. Any, there's, yeah. there's so many things you wouldn't, again, you wouldn't otherwise know unless you had children. Um, but sunblock always on your kids. I okay. think it's so Sunscreen. important. Mm-hmm. Um, bike helmets. I see in the city, unfortunately, way too much kids on the scooters without their helmets. Even last night, I saw two little kids. I won't, I, it just bothers me so much, but it's, it's actually one of the top reasons in the pediatric ERs, you know, injuries from that. So bike mm. helmets, not only in for bicycles, but for younger kids on those scooters, um, is so important. Um, there are, um, what else for pools you mentioned, always having someone, um, nearby watching your children, even, you know, within seconds, a lot, they have to be fenced in now, but you really want to have someone watching the, um, in the pool at all times, because it only takes a second, um, for something to happen. Street safety being in New York city, it's a a big concern here, but it should be anywhere cross on the green, always hold your kids' hands, look out for cars. Um, parking garages or big ones, cars can come out in and out of there, or mm. even your own garage if you're in a house. Yeah, street there. smarts, right? Street smarts in the, yeah. the city and the country. So, right, yeah. right. Um, I know you wrote an article um, about helping teens take charge of their own health, and I'm wondering if some of the um, some of these tips can kind of translate into. Uh, wisdom for older parents of older kids. I mean, obviously, as they get older, we educate them about sex and drugs and, you know, menstruation, not in that order necessarily. But um, what, what can we do to help our children as they grow older, really feel a responsibility for their own health? So yeah, as teens, you want them, you want to teach them how they can be adults, right? You don't want them to be totally on their own but you can give them those first steps of like navigating what it's like and transition them as they maybe are in high school and then college. So talking, having them be involved in their own healthcare is important. Talk to them about alcohol, drugs, sex, um, unintended pregnancies, things at school that may come up, nutrition, weight, that'll be from you know birth until now that always should be discussed and things that you can talk to about them. You want to make sure that they have a trusting relationship with their pediatrician or their healthcare provider. Um, so they can start being, um, talking about their own healthcare. Um, most teens, or you, you want them to be close to their parents, but you also want them to know that if they, um, don't want to share things, to you and just their healthcare provider, that that is also confidential as well. Most parents, I feel like, or kids, I should say, are more comfortable with their parents than the healthcare provider. They might be embarrassed or so, but just to remind them that they're there to care for you. They've seen all this with other kids and reinforce that they don't judge anyone um, and they're just there for them and it's confidential. So sometimes that helps. As they get older, your child may want the parent to leave the room and talk to the pediatrician um, about those things. And so it's really good to start having them encouraged to talk to their parents and um, their healthcare provider yeah. from everything. 
And I think, yeah. and as as young girls and boys grow into their teens, um, you know, a healthy relationship to food, a healthy relationship to everything that that balance that we talked about, that mm-hmm. mind, body, spirit, spirit uh, balance, if that's even possible, but we can strive for it, right? Um, so that you know they don't. And just like when they were kids, everything is a phase, even when they're teens, right? So um, Mm -hmm. maybe try not to freak out a little bit if uh, you notice that they might be, you know, gaining a little weight or um, how do you balance that out? Mm -hmm. Mm Because I I remember being a young girl and sometimes I would grow out before I grew up. And, you know, that just happens, right? It's, you know, we grow in spurts, right? So um, as parents, try not to... uh, create any unnecessary angst or anxiety about uh, weight gain as long as mm-hmm. it doesn't get out of control. Maybe mm-hmm. tackle. Ta- that's a big I'm, one, Allison. <laughs> yeah, no, and on anything, really, that's a great point. So back to how we really, our children really learn from us mm-hmm. and observing us as parents, right. as their role model, being calm. I talk about that a lot. It's being calm and reacting to stressful situations calmly your children will see. So when they're older, if they come across or faced with something that's stressful, they'll react in a calming way rather than feeling anxious. Um, and it really makes for happier, healthier kids and more peaceful home. Sure. And they'll learn that way too. Um, there are times too, if even when they're younger, if you, as hard as it may be, um, if you're calm with them and try and keep it that way, they'll actually be more calm. Moods are are contagious in that way. So if you speak to them calmly or go over things, they'll actually hear you better and stay more calm rather than getting more anxious yourself as a parent, because that would make them more anxious. Mm. But that does require a certain amount of self-care apart from the kids for, yes. for moms and dads. I mean, you really have to, as they say, put on your oxygen mask first so that you can be there right yes yes yeah. it takes a lot of it does take practice as far as taking breaths or stepping away or really learning right the self-care too of taking time for yourself um can impact how you care for your children sure. you can be a better parent really um and yeah um, enjoy that i think there's actually been some studies right that how your impact if you're happier, the more positive effect you would have on your kids. Sure. That's for sure. And no matter how, how much we try and how uh, diligent we are in making sure they eat well, exercise, get enough sleep, do all the right things, they still might experience during their um, some time in their childhood some anxiety and stress. Um, it does seem to be a real... Um, kind of hot topic nowadays with the young people. Mm-hmm. Um, any suggestions for um, parents who might be seeing that in their kids and how, how, to, how to sensitively deal with that? Um, sure. And agreed. Like stress can affect everyone at all ages. And often parents may not recognize something small that may be a stress for a child because as an adult, it wouldn't face them. Um, so it's really important to be able to identify any stress that's affecting your child. Um, and you may not, some signs are different than adults, right? So you might see a child who's trained at night, start bedwetting or start having headaches or do worse in school if they're older. Um, but what you can do is really make sure that they know their home is safe 
they're you're there for the for them and they can depend on you um and have encouraged them to be able to really express their feelings um which might be scary for some kids but know that they can do that and listen to them i think really knowing that they're heard and what they're feeling if they do start expressing some feelings um is so important goes a long Um, way listening yeah Mm. yeah and reassurance and and things don't prove or you're not sure if things are you know related to stress or maybe you are if there was a something that changed in the home just talk to your pediatrician and they can work with you to find any additional resources that you may need yeah yeah again go back go back to your your people your pediatrician Mm -hmm. is your best friend as a as a young parent so you might Mm -hmm. not get that owner's manual but your pediatrician is there for you so use that resource right right but and a parent you do know your child the best better than anyone so even if it's subtle changes that you're noticing in their behavior or mood swings or acting out or something that you think may be causing anxiety for them. Hmm. You'd be the best to, to notice that. I right? really love that you just said that because um, that's one thing, one point that I would like to get across. I feel like we do know our children and many times we will go to a doctor, for example, my son had uh, Lyme disease and I went to the pediatrician and asked him to uh, give him a test because I was pretty sure he had it. He had a lot of symptoms. And sometimes doctors don't respect parents as much as they should, (laughs) but insist if you have a really strong feeling about something, insist that those tests be done. Um, Turns out he did have Lyme and we got him treated and he was fine. But um, the doctor was quite surprised. He said he tested positive, which doesn't always happen. There's a lot of um, false negatives, right, with Lyme. So uh, if you believe something is going on with your kid, you know better than even your doctor. So don't mm-hmm. don't be afraid to be a little, um, you know, pushy. <laughs> right. How I is mean, that? Yeah, Have you had a fine that... line there? Because, yeah. I mean, medically, if we know, you know, certain things wouldn't be associated with uh, an illness or whatnot, um, that's that's important to know as well, right? The, the medical aspects of things. But right, the behavioral or something that you see over time where one office visit, a physician may not. Um, it's true. You, you know your child best. Yeah. Sorry. I know you have to support your peeps. <laughs> <laughs> but you're a parent too. So but I'm you sure you've it, had that. You, you do see it where, you know, parents, you know, but I read this on Google and I'm like, doctor, there's no such thing as Dr. Google. Right. So there's, there's that fine line. But yeah, you do know. And as a parent, I agree. Like, I know if something's going on with my child, or and it's hard for me to, as a medical background or pediatrician, like, I, I knew a couple of weeks ago that my kid just, my gut from seeing everything that he had the flu. So I brought him in, thought he had the flu, he had the flu. Yeah. But there are times when it, there's so many other viruses out there. Right. Um, or it's not strep, and there's so many other things that it could be. But I think as, far as these behavioral things um, and any changes that you may notice in your child or you saw in your case, you might've seen a rash get smaller, bigger, whatnot. Didn't have the Um, rash. Did not have the rash. Just saying. Yeah. So it was even harder. It was, it was my mother's intuition. So. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right. And there are things that can cause mono like illnesses and right. So right. yeah, working together. We did. We did think but, it might be mono, but it was Lyme. Mm-hmm. It was bonafide Lyme. Mm-hmm. Anyway, 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Allison. I want to give all your information, but do you have anything else that you're excited about that's coming up that you want to talk about that, that you're passionate about in your life with regard to this, the subject of fitness and health and children? Um, yeah, I think overall, family wellness, it's so important. And it starts with the parents. I think that's so important. I do do a lot with fitness. Like I said, I think postpartum moms, pediatric obesity, I think it can make such a big difference and impact in yourself and your kids on so many levels, not just the physical, but the mental and emotional and the well-being that you get out of it. Um, so I do a lot with that, as you mentioned. So if someone wants to get in touch with you, read your articles, where, where can they find out a little bit more about you? For sure. My website at www.allisonmitznermd.com and on social media, I'm um, my handles are all at Allison Mitzner, MD. Easy. Awesome. Yes. I, cool. I made it easy and consistent so across the board. So are you signed up for any races or are you a runner? Do you have anything coming up? I do more um, HIIT training. Oh, yeah. High-intensity interval training. I did a fitness competition last year. This year, it's postponed until next year. So I'm just doing different things um, to in the fitness world with different people, but no no big running events that I'm doing. Okay. Um, I am working on a book that I'm excited about, so hopefully that'll, that'll be... Uh, and what, tell, what will the book be about? I, I won't get in here, but a lot on family, family wellness oh, and good. family fitness. Of course, because that's what yeah. you're good at. Yeah. Awesome. Well, keep so up the good exciting. work, Allison, and we'll look forward to watching you, seeing your book, and um, I, maybe we'll call you again if we have more questions. Because <laughs> we sure. just kind of, we dipped our <laughs> toes into a lot of different areas, but um, thank you sure. so much for your wisdom. Sure. Sounds great. Sure. All right. Thanks for having me. Well, have a happy, healthy spring. Bye. You too.